Hi, and welcome back to Transvox. And it's a joy to be with Melissa Tilling, who is uh, someone I know quite well, not well enough, and excited to find out all about her and her business and her life and her journey and her experiences and her views and opinions and um, nothing about Vila's. So good afternoon, Mel. How are you? I am very happy. I've had a very productive week. Um, and um, without wanting to date this too much, I'm looking forward to the weekend um, to have a bit of a bit of a chill out and a walk with the dog. Where in the world are you? So I'm in Bromley in South London. Um, about uh, it's about a twenty minute by train from the centre of London, um, a reasonably leafy suburb of of London, um, uh, and it's close to where I was um, brought up. And I came back here about 15 years ago, um, and it really feels like home. You've got the accent. I mean, I, I, South London. It. South, South London. South, South London accent. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, look, tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah, um, I'm um, a transgender woman. Um, I'm single. Uh, I transitioned 15 years ago. Um, and professionally, I um, work in the travel industry and have done, and this is going to date me now, for 36 years um, and been blessed um, by working in, the in-, in an industry that I absolutely love. And I can't think of many days when I haven't been um, eager to get to work Um Lately, um, and I say that since um, October, uh, September, October 2019, um, I made a big change in the travel industry um, by moving from private enterprise um, into social enterprise. And um, in early 2020, I launched my own social enterprise um, travel company and also launched um, a charity aimed at supporting tourism communities in the developing world when tourism stops. So I've I've moved into the kind of purely working for the sake of profit into working for the sake of the broader community. And it's been, it's kept me involved in the industry I love, but given me a completely new lease for life in, um, in travel for good. Mm. So that reinvention, uh, I mean, is that part of your life's journey? Because it sounds like there's been quite a lot of it overall. I I'm, I guess I had um, a long period of time up until my late 30s, early 40s, where um, I, I was kind of playing a role. And I think that's quite typical of, of transgender people, um, that, that they um, live... Um, almost for everybody else rather mm. than for themselves and um and so i think it's not typical of me up until my early 40 uh, into my early 40s when i finally decided that um i needed to do something about my gender identity um and i think that gave me a completely fresh perspective on life aside from being incredibly um incredibly liberating as a you know to come from that kind of closet if you will 
into the open world where I could be authentically me. And it's also given me um, fantastic appreciations for um, and uh, for the needs of others as well. Mm. It's kind of enabled me to be the person I think I would have been the entire time if I could have been authentic rather than hiding away and be, being a workaholic. So lately, there's been quite a lot of change. And I say lately in the last 15, 16 years, um, transi- transition and, and coming out as transgender and 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 um, was what was one. And then the kind of realization that there was more to um, there was more to to life than simply making money. Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean um, not making money um, for a good cause. It's making um, it's rather than simply making money for a shareholder. It's about making money to do good. Yeah. And so what was the catalyst for you in the the change around gender? Was there something specific or had it been growing over time? Um, I, I was conscious of it um, from when I was about 13. Um, and I felt something was different, um, but I was ashamed and I was conflicted by the thought of discovery and the thought at the time, and so we're talking about um, the um, late 70s, um, you know, and so I did, um, as I approached the end of my teens, I'd been kind of um, knowing that something was up during my teens in terms of I didn't feel quite um, at ease with myself. Um, I experimented with, um, with, cross-dressing if you will at the time that's probably what I thought it was at the time um you know I um you know I I and and kind of did that a lot in private um but as I approached the end of my teens I kind of thought you know I was scared and I pushed it well away um you know I I didn't want to tell my parents I, I not that my parents weren't loving and, and aren't loving. My, my my mother's passed away, unfortunately, but my my dad has been incredible. And, you know, but at the time, it's all about what you fear rather than what is, you know, what's in reality. And so I pushed it away um, and really got immersed in a career from 18, 19 and became somewhat of a workaholic, mm. um, or almost, I think, as a reaction to put all of these thoughts out of my um, out, out of my out of my head and um, you know I've heard talk in the past and you know people going into the military and into very masculine yeah. you know roles in order to you know push this this disgusting you know so-called disgusting thought out of the back of their minds and and not not have to deal with it and I I, I guess that was me um, including getting married to a woman bringing up a family mm. um all the way from my early 20s all the way to my late 30s um you know trying to fit in trying to fight waves you know waves of of emotion and waves of feelings about my identity not really understanding um and i and i think probably the catalyst um is the internet oh okay um uh, or was the internet um because when i was you know going through early adulthood and 
into my 30s, I felt my feelings were very, um, I was very alone with my feelings, um, trying to, you know, trying to be the, you know, the binary person, trying to um, be in a marriage and, and get on with work and being a workaholic and focused on my career. But going through periods of time, you know, and I, and I don't want you to think I was wrapped with angst the the entire time, but it kind of came came and went. Um, and um, while you while before the internet, um, there was really no place to go without with impunity and without discovery. Um, to to find out about these feelings and explore these feelings and find out why, you know, kind of why why did I feel that way? What was it? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? You yeah. know, and yeah, this is this is weird. And you know, why why do I feel that way? Um, and so the internet really, if you want a catalyst, the internet was the catalyst for change. Yeah, it was that. It was was it having the? I mean, Jen obviously who who I usually chat to on this podcast talks about this, uh, having the language, having the narrative, seeing other people, having the words, seeing everybody else is sort of in the same boat and we're all sort of struggling together. That was quite interesting at that, at that time, I guess, was it for you? I, I, I think so because what, what you were, you know, what the narrative in, in, in the media was all of this, um, you know, sensationalism about sex change operations That's and, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, what, what, and, and you know, sir, you know, high-profile surgeons or other people coming out and saying, you know, having a sex change operation, and I didn't, you know, I, I just knew I felt something, yeah. um, and I and I and I hadn't really kind of dwelled or, or on what that feeling actually was, although I realised it involved gender. Um, you know, and there was all these other things as well. You know, it was a kind of disgusting thought—the whole idea of cross-dressers. You know, you know these men that you know men, you know men going around wearing other people's clothes, and and yeah. and and so all of that narrative was going on um, before pre-internet and and at the beginning. But actually, the internet did show me that there. The, the the kind of spectrum the legitimacy the the fact that it really did exist the fact that there was a reality beyond the sensational mm. um and there were other people out there and there were groups that 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 you could get involved in i mean i you know later on maybe i i kind of what near nearer to the end of my 30s i uh, early 40s i found a group called tv chicks oh yeah the, and yeah. um you know, and I think, and that was probably we're talking eighteen, nineteen years ago now. Mm. And that website, although it's you know again for a broad church of people, um, because it was for a broad church of people, it it showed me that there are lots of different um, people on the spectrum of uh, gender. Yeah. And lots of different ways of being, and the fact that you could, um, uh, you, you could go into chat rooms and you can talk to people, um, you know, and and, and there are very there were various different chat rooms. It really it really saved. I I, I don't you know I kind of credit it with my sanity, yeah. uh, you know, with saving my sanity because I finally had this place where I didn't feel out of place. Yeah. Um, 
and there are others you know there are other ones around I just happened to find that one and it was yeah. a you know it was a complete revelation and I you know and they had later in pre-transition I, I I would go to events that they would promote and find you know places where had that had trans nights and go yeah. and meet other people and you know so I think the the, the internet I, I don't know where I would be without the you know, I think I probably do know where I would be because, I, you know, at the deepest times of, of feelings, you know, I, I did feel suicidal, um, yeah. particularly as I approached my later 30s. Um, you know, without the Internet, if I was feeling like that, yeah. um, I might have done something about it that, that obviously would have been terrible. But the Internet gave me. A, a where a place where I could be myself, even if I couldn't be myself, um, in in the real world right. while I was handling life pre-transition. And so, how was the actual transition journey for you? Because I mean, it's different in different eras, as it were. So, um, I'm in the yeah, Jurassic so... era. You're a little, you're a lot younger than me. So, how is it for you? No. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm 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 probably the um, Pliocene era. Oh, if you know your you know your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, um, there's always there, there isn't there is beyond the internet. There's always there's another catalyst, and that was called this being discovered. And so I was in a marriage at the time. It was you know I loved I loved my wife, but I think what I became to realize later was that it wasn't in the right way um and as time went on into my 30s I started um uh, you know I started experimenting more and more with my you know how I felt how I dressed and I, I as you know I work in the travel industry and that gives you the amazing ability to go yeah overseas and have time on your own and do things uh yeah. on your own whatever those in my case, um, I would pack my clothes, my 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 um, you know, where I could go out anonymously. Um, I could um dress as I wanted, experiment. And um, I was on one of those trips, actually in Bangkok. I used to look after the Far East as a destination. And um, I'd taken my stuff and I'd been out and had a lovely time. I, you know, no doubt loads of people stared at me, but I didn't care, it's Bangkok, no one's gonna know me. I I was just wandering around happy as, um, you know, happy in, in my authentic self. You know, within this incredible sense of 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 being at ease and being and feeling like this was me rather than this was me in a disguise, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I got back to the hotel I was staying at. I was staying at a lovely hotel on Sukhumvit Road called the Rembrandt, which is a four star. Mm. It's a really lovely hotel. Yeah. Um, getting ready and you know getting getting a reasonably early night to go out and work the next day and do my job. Um, and at one o'clock in the morning, I was woken up, and it was a call from my um, now ex-wife saying, "You're having an affair." Ah. Uh. And I, I was kind of 
dopey and half asleep. I'm dopey most of the time, but I was half asleep and said, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me just wake up and I'll call you back. And that was another pivotal moment, you know, beyond a more specific pivotal moment because I had the opportunity to do something. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I thought to myself reasonably quickly, what do I do? Do I blag it and say, um, what are you talking about, you silly yeah. woman? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not having an affair. Or, um, uh, or I had the opportunity to um, tell her I was having an affair yeah. um, because it would be better than telling yeah. her what, Often what was is. going on. Yeah. Um, or tell her, no, this is really what, I, what I'm feeling. And even then, I didn't exactly know what it was. I thought, well, maybe maybe I was cross-dressing, maybe I did just feel comfort and ease out of this. It was never a sexual thing with me. I never, you know, I never, I never got turned on by 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 cross-dressing, if you will. I just yeah. felt at ease and comfortable. Yeah. And, um, or, you know, I'll say, well, this is the thing. So I, I decided um, that, and and it sounds it doesn't sound particularly good, but I she deserved it. She deserved to know because I'd known for all the time we were together for eighteen yeah. years, um, and um, I also felt that I deserved it, and I had you know some really low times, and I knew that you know if I went back home, you know one of those might happen again. It just wasn't good you know, this double life, this, you know, yeah. this, um, what it was doing to me mentally in terms of having to then pack myself away into a, you know, into a secret cupboard at work, which is where I kept my stuff. So it was yeah. out of the house. Um, so I, so I rang back and, um, she said, who's Melissa? Um, who's this Melissa you're having an affair with? And so the, the irony of that was the, she put two and two together, bless her, um, and and Got seven. It made five, yeah. made seven, maybe a lot more than that. And um thought I was having an affair with my Melissa and 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 actually that is really ironic because I I was having an affair with myself. Yeah, that's true. And I'd never really thought until you know, until that point, I'd never really thought of it in those terms, but it made me think, actually. You know, I am almost I am being disingenuous with the person that I love and the person that I'm with. Mm. Um and I was doing it out of a sense of protection um and a sense of uncertainty for you know for for um you know uh, uh, what it actually was and what yeah. it actually meant. And I you know I, I was well used to hiding it away and you know and you know occasionally going through phases of like I think call it, they call it purging I think when you throw all your clothes away oh, yeah. and you, you yeah and you you think I'm not doing this again this is this is silly I'm not doing this um and and so I I I knew that there was more than that so so I so I, I told her as best I could um in um the, the the best words that I could what what it was about and um you know and and then you know, I came back from the trip and we, we met and um and it didn't go tremendously well. Um and I think, 
you know, with the benefit of hindsight after the fact. I think, well, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't what I am. Um, it was more the fact that I that I lied, and I lived a lie, and I yeah. couldn't trust. Now I I know I, you know I know why that was the case, but actually that was the biggest hurt um, that I caused, and the the I think the only person I ever caused caused hurt to was the the people closest to me yeah and that was what I was afraid of that's what I was deferring and and I think I you know I, I don't know what what would have happened if she hadn't discovered an email that I'd sent to someone from myself and mistook it for an email coming to me yeah um you know and there was me thinking she wasn't internet savvy yeah. she she her, her female intuition yeah um won her over and she 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 knew something was up um and I, you know i'm not proud of what's happened and and uh you know and, and really that was uh being asked to leave that all falling apart in a very ugly kind of way we haven't spoken you know since and i sure. and i don't blame her and i don't you know i i i, I you know it's my biggest regret is hurting someone that didn't deserve it yeah um but i'm still alive and i'm still here yeah. and i'm true to myself and that's the thing about the choices we make have consequences don't they and you know we can only control the ones which are in our yeah. control and other people have to have that right as well to to be with us or not and i think a lot of people get most broken up about the fact that they lose families and wives partners husbands you know whatever it might be but if, if we have the right to be ourselves, then they have the right to be themselves as well. And I think we often can get bent out of shape about that. But actually, that's only fair, isn't it? It is It is absolutely fair. And, you know, comments like, um, you know, we, we first met when I was 23 and she was 33. And, you know, she said, well, why didn't you tell me how you felt at the time? Mm. And that was the last thing I was going to do when I was 23. Yeah, we didn't know um, yourself, you know, and I, and I, no, I really didn't know myself. And, you know, but if I, you know, it could have, should have, would have, you know, if I could tell my 23 year old self that, you know, you, you should really do something about this, then I, I, I would have saved the world of pain. Yeah. Um, different times, you know, different, different times, different, you know, feelings and, and all those fear feelings are in, you know, at that time were, were the ones that you were, I was running away from in the 80s. But it sounds like um, the way you transitioned, you must have transitioned at work. So they must have been quite accepting, yeah. were they? Um, I think the travel industry, I'm, again, I'm really lucky in the travel industry that it's predominated by women. Yeah. And um, as we all know, women are a lot more empathic and not a lot more prepared to listen, a lot more open and so I was blessed not being in a male-dominated um, environment. That didn't mean there weren't men around, lots of men, um, but mainly mainly women. Um, but I am nothing if not pragmatic and organised. Yeah. And so I treated transition as an emotional journey, but also a well-planned one. Yeah, good. Um and, you know, I see it often and I, I see it still in, in help groups and what have you, where where the emotion of the of the experience of deciding to do something about transition um, takes 
transgender men and women, I guess, um, mm. on this roller coaster journey, almost with no breaks. Yeah. Um, of euphoria, and it and it is euphoria when you find you know you yeah. find you finally decide to do something. Euphoria is amazing, and you know I think I think I didn't allow I, I allowed myself to be euphoric, but I also you know being a travel person and a tour operator and a planner, you know I I resolved to do this the right way. Yeah. Um, I didn't I wanted to minimize the hurt that I would cause myself and minimize the shock for the people around me. Um, and I discovered um, an organization called Gyres oh, yeah. Um, yeah. On, on, on the Internet. I'm not too sure what they're up to these days. But I yeah, think still around. A, so they, I think they had a change. So, uh, one of the leaders passed away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're a bit quieter than they were. But they they publish these amazing guides, um, one for employees and one for employers about transition in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um and it was like a little roadmap or a Bible of, aside from all the things I was going through personally, which I, you know, in terms of sites, um, uh, in terms of going, going to the GP, going to psychiatry, going to the gender identity clinic in Charing Cross and all, all of those other things, sort of sorting out facial hair removal, all the, all the sort of personal things around going through it. The, the transition at work was really a... Um, um, it's not quite a military operation, but it was a mm. carefully planned and consulted operation um, to protect me and to protect the people around me um, and um, make it as easy for everybody. Yes. To, to had a had a great boss at the time um, who who was um, he was I'd probably say he's about. 20 years older than me so he's retired now um and I went in to see him and I'll, I'll never forget in in March 2008 and I went in and I said to the boss I said well here's the thing um <laughs> this is who I am um and his his words were fantastic he said to me dear boy can't you just do this at the weekends <laughs> and um <laughs> i absolutely loved him for that and and i said well boss i am already doing this at the weekends and i want to do it all the time yeah. and um he was um shocked surprised didn't understand uh, but allowed me to help um i gave him a copy of the book which mm-hmm. i bought um and let him go off and i said well have a have a read of this and um and, and and let's meet next week or you know at the time I was a director of the company so let's let's meet next week and once you've had a chance to read it and it was singularly the best thing because although he didn't understand and frankly nor, nor do I and nor do many people why 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 no, no, no does anyone really why transgender people are transgender yeah. um he was prepared to accept and understand and listen yeah. um and I set it out for him in a in a really clear way, um, and and you know had photographs done so that we that um, they could share it with the workplace. I wrote a letter, and then um, in the four days leading up to the date when I changed my um, changed my name and everything, mm. I took some time off, and they 
handled it really well. They had meetings with the managers first, wow. you know, um, and the managers then shared it with teams, knowing that I was coming back. And I, um, and 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 I set all of that up because, as I say, I, I wanted to do it right. Um, and then for the um, for the formal sort of transition day, I changed my name on the fourth of July because I kind of like that being my Independence Day. Oh yeah, that's a nice one. Yeah. Yeah, so 4th of July, I always remember 4th of July 2008 is when my name legally changed. Yeah. Went back into work um, uh, wearing a skirt suit um, on the most nerve-wracking day of my life. Not bad. Um, And went in early, went and sat at my desk. And, you know, it still makes me emotional thinking of it now. The number of people that came down to see me and said, wow, you know, this is amazing. Mm. Uh, we wondered why you had little little bits of nail polish on your fingers. You know, we wondered why your eyebrows were, um, yes, <laughs> why your spouse. eyebrows were plucked. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and all of all of those things. And they said, "We just thought you were a gay," and yeah. um, you know, and and the uh, you know, and I'm not saying exclusively the women, but primarily the women. And then, but no one. You know, and I'm sure there was lots of laughter because I laugh about myself. You know, yeah, I, 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 I'm sure there was lots of laughter, but it was respectful. You know, um, we we even got changed the out of office so that my old email had an out of office that said that I will now be known by this name. And um, so um, and then I was permitted to tell all of the partners we worked with. Um, and it, you know, it was it was as painless albeit nerve-wracking as it could have been. Yes. And there's something about, for me, it, the, the plan is the key thing. And I, I, and I talk to a lot of people about this. Is It's about knowing what you want and planning it and taking your time and not just rushing in headlong in a big bang sort of thing and losing everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's that taking time to sort of prep, you know, prime the audience and I suppose you, you and I are both marketing and sales, so I suppose we we get that, don't we? It's that you have to you have I to so. you have hmm. to lobby and soften the soften soften up the victim first before you start uh, attacking it, really. And I think what often happens is people hit this, this sort of treat the treat transition as a, an event rather than a process. So they see it as something that happens, and then everything's changed, and it, it becomes a thing in itself rather than saying it's just part. It is part of life. It's not everything. You don't have to define your. I, I, I remember um, someone we interviewed recently who said, "Being trans is the least interesting piece about myself," and I thought that was quite an interesting way of thinking about it, isn't it? And I suppose hmm. you, you often find people post-transition who sort of disappear, don't they? And they and they vanish because they've. It's that's it. That was I the did, point. You know, I did. I, I professionally, I, um, I, I, pretty much decided that it wasn't going to define me mm. being trans wasn't going to be wasn't going to define me I'd, I'd got you know I was pretty successful in my career I was director of a company um you know and I didn't want the narrative to be about being trans I wanted it about me being really good at my job and respected and capable and and seeking promotion you know I, I went on to be MD and and um you know, and and you know, set up my own company and so forth. But uh, I agree. But it's I, I always think of it a little bit like um, you know, picking up um, a Lotus car at a dealer. 
you know if you pick up a lotus car you're not suddenly going to put your foot on the accelerator at 100 miles an hour and not steer mm. um uh, and not think about where you're going yeah. you know the transition and, and self-discovery and deciding to do something about it you do feel that you're in a you know you're, you're in a brand new self yeah. um but and 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 you need to navigate that road otherwise someone's going to get hurt so so given the the climate at the moment what what advice would you have for people who are mid-transition or questioning or at the beginning of this uh, i mean jenny often says you know from her perspective, it's the best thing she ever did. And whatever the climate, she would always do it. I mean, do you have any sort of words of advice or comfort for people? Um, I think it's, you know, it's really, it, it, unless it's forced upon you, um, which discovery was, being discovered was for me, it's really, it, it's really simple because there are so many people yeah. at, in, intertwined in people's lives. Um, and so... I had it, I, I'd like to say I had it pretty easy, um, you know, compared to the complications there could have been. And almost the reaction of my ex not wanting to support it and wanting yeah. the husband that she married, it almost gave me um, a free a free reign to handle this in the same way so i have a lot of empathy for people that didn't have that don't have that you know obviously the, there's there's always hurt involved but i think i think it also depends on how you feel innately yourself if you are suffering from medical gender dysphoria really strongly and it's affecting your mental health um, it's deteriorating and jeopardizing your health as a consequence, then all of those things are going to sort of play a part as, alongside the people that are around you with the speed at which you can do things and the way at which you can do things. Um, my my advice about anything, and, and this as well, is to be methodical, um, to be self-protecting. Um, you know, if you, if you don't need to rush because you're mentally, until you're you're okay then plan yeah. um plan and and communicate and be care seek professional help um where wherever you can afford to you know and the, and the biggest challenge i think at the moment is this kind of 11 year wait yeah but you know this transition and and, and it's almost if you've got the money these days compared to you know i waited a long time i waited six months between appointments i now think it's two years at least you know and mm. At least, yeah, it's, you know, and it's an 11-year process altogether, you know. So it seems to be something you can speed up if you've got money and you have to go with the flow if you can't. But I wouldn't run slipshod over it because someone's going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. Yeah. Try and try and control if you possibly can. If you can't, then, you know, really you need to be talking to your GP. Um, you need to be coming to Beyond Reflections. Um, finding you know our charity to find an outlet a way of easing that anxiety and easing that feeling by being surrounded by mm. like-minded people um, so that you can you can get that you know it's like a pressure cooker of emotion if you can get the you know if you can let off some steam by 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 being amongst other people that is you know what I would say rather than just rush yeah allow the steam to to to, to let go sometimes um 
But then beyond that, I, I would say absolutely plan. Look look for resources about how to handle this. Learn from other people. Yeah. Um, talk to other people about they hand, how they've handled it. And if you can, and if you're in a relationship or if you're, you know, is, is talk about how you feel. It doesn't need to be yeah. done in definite terms, you know, and that's the mistake I made. I, I made a mistake of being more worried about it than talking about it. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's a very good point, actually. And of course, find it's interesting your point about being in trouble. And I think I think there are there are there are communities, there are jobs, aren't there? There are professions which are very accommodating. And and I think sometimes I mean, I mean you can't you can't choose a job based on the fact that you're that you're using it to subsidize your um sort of transition. But there are yeah. there are places to situate yourselves which are more useful than others. And um and I think it's that thing, as you say, it's to is to is to to tease it out, to test it out. Most most people have heard about it these days. And it whilst there's a negative potentially media climate, there's a very supportive work-based climate and employment climate now, isn't there? I mean it's there are policies think, you know, being, procedures, aren't there? Being, being in the UK, oh yeah, there's an absolutely fantastic um, legislative framework around discrimination. Um, you know, and most, if they have HR come, you know, departments that are big enough, then they're, you know, they're fairly au fait with. They might not be used to it, but they they've got resources where they can consult. Um, but it's. Um, yeah, I was very fortunate being in travel. It's a very cosmopolitan, internationalized, yeah. um, you know, fairly open-minded, um, you know, industry. I, I do empathize with people that are in in other industries where, um, and 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 also abroad. I mean, you know, being in the UK, we're we're incredibly lucky. Yeah. You know, there are places around the world that where where it's even illegal. Yeah. Um, you know. And it's incredibly difficult. Um, and the narrative that are coming out from some places that you would think are developed and westernized in, in terms of picking on transgender people or some yeah. some way of creating division um and using religion as a as a yeah. you know as some way of picking on gay people and, and uh you know it's just it, it 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 is atrocious and in those places it takes more navigation. And I think um, um, it's interesting you said, and I think going back to your, you know, our, your original talk comments about living for everybody else. I think one of the things that's interesting about post transition when you're your authentic sense itself. I mean, things open up for you differently, don't they? It's interesting that you have transitioned in your work. You now run your own business. It, it is interesting to see maybe how your values and beliefs and things have changed over time, and and sort of aligning yourself with yourself does allow you to have a different perspective on life mm. it's because actually if you're living your life I'm, for everybody else it's very constraining isn't it i think i think i think it is because you you you, you almost have this um personal siege mentality yeah. you know you retreat behind the the walls that you build around yourself um you don't you don't do it consciously you do it protectively and you don't give away your true self because you've built this you're 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 right you know and I was acting I was I, I was acting my entire adult life yeah. being someone that I wasn't and that played heavily 
you know, in, in at various different times in my life. But you definitely, as soon as you align um, your gender with your with your uh, align your gender to be how you think you should be, whether that's non-binary, whether that's um, you know, wh- whether that's one gender or the other, or some or somewhere fluid in between. You, you suddenly become authentic, and authenticity to me um, opens you up to to having much better from a dating standpoint. I just mean how you interact with with other people because you know who you are. You have a lot. You, you suddenly know who you are, and you know, know that you are able to be authentic. Um, therefore you're more capable of having meaningful relationships with other people at any level Um, and you have you know I've I feel privileged because I've 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 got this amazing life where I have empathy with both genders Mm. and um, my relationship with women which was always awkward and weird and odd um you know now is completely not yeah. that and and I although I'm not a woman because I'm a transgender woman I have um been accepted mm. into the into the gender and that's broken down barriers it's meant that I'm trusted that I'm brought on board and those those relationships I would have never had um, living yeah. as a man not because apart from anything that I couldn't have handled it and I wouldn't have handled it um, you know and I think that's given me an incredible understanding of people and of situations and of empathy um, for for everything going around and I think that's a great skill for life and a great skill for work um, and it's given me a perspective that I never knew I would have yeah that's an interesting point because often there's a lot of people in our community who are neurodiverse and and actually I wonder if that gift of empathy is something that they can use as well to develop themselves and give themselves new perspectives as well. Yeah, um, it's not saying that as an issue, but I just wonder that it 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 bolts something else into you, doesn't it? I do, you know, I, I do I, I do feel concerned for people who are gender fluid. Um but only from my perspective that I've almost um, moved from one club to another, Mm. Um, having, you know, having got the membership badge of the other one, I've kind of got the membership badge of the other. So I often, I I worry, and and, and I don't want to worry, it's probably a strong word. I I, I feel concerned for gender fluidity because, you know, that, that, that's probably of the hardest Mm. for, for everyone to understand even now. And therefore, how does, you know, how does that affect interpersonal relationships, both professionally and, you know, personally? I I, I masquerade as a woman, um, you know, and and therefore, you know, most of the time people don't question me and don't, you know, don't. Whereas if you're gender fluid, it's it's a little more obvious that, you know, that that, that you are gender fluid um, and that confuses people and that you know that's a real that to me is more challenging yeah. um doesn't invalidate it and it doesn't make it something that people shouldn't be they absolutely should be that um but i but i do want you know i do feel that there's more support needed um 
yeah. you know, because the community size is smaller even than being trans. And, and on a totally different note, if anyone's thinking of booking a holiday, should they be looking at your website? Oh, they absolutely should. You need to go, thank you for the advert, Gillian, uh, to www.charitable.travel. There's no .com at the end, no.co.uk. And, um, and what we do, um, we're a social enterprise, and um, every customer that books a holiday, and you can book wherever you want to go, whether it's Papua New Guinea or um, or Mallorca or wherever, you, you know, Disney or whatever, um, every single holiday that you book through us means that you'll give 5% of the price of the holiday at no extra cost to a charity that you care about. It could be beyond reflections, of course, because that's the charity we love. Um, and, you know, we regularly get, you know, great bookings, um, whether they're staycations for, a, you know, for £100. That means that £5 will go to a charity at no extra cost to charity or to you. Or if it's a if you've got money and you're going on a lovely holiday in the Caribbean and you're spending £15,000 on something amazing, that's £750 donation at no extra cost. And we do that because that's our social purpose. Yeah. Um, so, yes, anyone who wants to book a holiday anywhere, give Charitable Travel a call because we're all about our social purpose, which is to help charity fundraising. And, my God, they, they need it. Yeah. Yeah, so right. Well, it's been an absolute joy to spend time with you today. And, um, I mean, I knew you very superficially, so it's been lovely just to actually hear your story and to find out more about you as well. So thank you for, for spending time with us today. Thank you, and thank you for letting me ramble on. No worries at all. You take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transvox. It's been a joy to have you with us. Um, if you want to um, make contact with us, you can contact us at gillian at transvox.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the work we do, please go to Patreon and go to page Transvox. And all of our money goes to our nominated charity. And Jen, you've chosen the charity for the next number of episodes. Which one have you chosen? Our charity is called Beyond Reflections, which is a charity that provides support and counselling to trans people, non-binary people and their friends and their families across the UK. An amazing charity doing some amazing work, really important. So please, if you can give. Great. And if you want to go and have a look at Beyond Reflections, it's beyond-reflections.org.uk. And uh, But as I say, if you'd like to make a contribution to what we're doing, because we love to help the people who help us. Uh, again, if you've got ideas for um, the show, things you'd like to ask us, questions, comments, applause, or um, brickbats, feel free to send it all Absolutely. in to Gillian at transvox.co.uk. Until the next time, goodbye. Bye-bye. Yeah.